And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. And so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. More woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Lord, would you come now in power, speak to us through your word in Christ's name, amen. We are, as you're, I don't know if you noticed this, but you'll see at the very top of the first page of the uh, bulletin that we are, this is the sixth, sixth Sunday of Epiphany. And Epiphany is kind of a funny uh, season, but it's such an important season, and it's, it's no surprise that it comes simply after the Christmas season, because it's, it's a season where we remember, we actively remember that Jesus did not come just for the Jews. He didn't come for those who had all their lives, just for those who had their lives put together and knew what to do and how to do it. But he revealed himself to the wise men. Let's just remember who the wise men were. They were learned pagans. Okay? So they were astronomers and astrologers. And what's so captivating and gripping is that the living God went out of his way to meet them in what they knew and drew them in G- to Jesus. And that's our prayer every Sunday, because our expectation is that people will come and they'll be testing the waters. They'll be maybe brought by a friend, maybe with the false promise of a great brunch or the promise of a great brunch or, you know, cajoled or maybe mom's in town and so you've had to come to church with mom and we were the closest and shortest service you could find. You know, there's all kinds of reasons. But that's the theme of Epiphany, is that Jesus seeks to meet us in what we know and lead us closer to him. And that's true for people when you look at their lives and there's no symmetry there with the Christian faith. And it's true for those of us who've been following him for some time, always seeking to meet us in what we know to lead us more deeply to him which is incredible when you look at the verses that we had read this morning. We had the cheerful prophet, Jerry. You know, imagine, I bet you he got all the invites to the parties. You know, uh, probably not. Um, We had, you know, Psalm 1 speaks very, there's a great contrast between what it means to be blessed and not blessed. And then we come to the words of Jesus. And, and, and the, the words of Jesus are so arresting because they're so contrary to the world, right? Starts off, in Matthew, it's blessed are the poor in spirit, and Luke, it's blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, the blessed are, blessed are those who are poor. It's those who are poor and my disciples, Right? So just being poor on its own has no real 
aesthetic quality. But there is something that wherever you are, to put your trust in Jesus means there's a different economy at play. There's a different economy at play. Um, Jesus saying that poverty in itself isn't a, is not a state of happiness or blessing, but it can be, come a place of blessing when trust is put in him. And so we see Jesus turning everything on its head as he goes through his three-year ministry, giving special care to those who are on the fringes of society. He's intentionally turning his back on the elite and looking to the last, the least, the lost, and the lonely. What does it mean, then, uh, to be blessed? I, uh, years ago now, met this friend from Alabama. We were in England, so he kind of stood out from the crowd, uh, both in accent and, well, in every way. And um, in chatting with him and his new wife, uh, first wife, favorite wife, new wife, they'd just come back from honeymoon. They'd gone to the Seychelles, you know, in the Maldives, and they just had a wonderful, you know, I saw, oh, you must have had a wonderful time, two weeks, just the two of you. And... Uh, his wife just shakes her head and said, he's had a kidney infection for two weeks. I said, so what did you do? And she said, we played a lot of cards. And that was it for two weeks. And you could just see, you know, it's just kind of, you know, all of the ideas of romance just kind of melted away. And he said, yeah. And, you know, it's the end of the service, similar like we do here. And uh, she had brought her husband up and said, you need to pray for him. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, we need to be pushed into receiving prayer. And so I, I was really new to all of this, and I didn't really know how to pray. I didn't really know how to walk that sensitive line of the disappointment that comes after that kind of a honeymoon. And so I just put my, hands on, my hand on his shoulder, and I said, Lord, would you come? Would you bless this man? Well, what happened next caught me by surprise and the recipient by surprise because he fell to his knees I said, oh, this wasn't in the training manual. And uh, we all heard a, a, a noticeable click. Anyway, I thought nothing of it, helped him up and apologized to offer him a tissue. Um, he hadn't cried, but I just felt, you know, I don't think men from Alabama cry. Um, and uh, maybe they do, just not in public. And anyway, he went on his way. But the next day, they both came up and they seized me. You know, just like, it seems to be that what you do after you receive prayer from me. Um, and I thought this could go one of two ways. And um, he's much stronger than I am. I said, what happened? He said, what, when you prayed and just prayed that God would bless me yesterday, you had no idea what I've been living with. I said, no, I don't. He said, I've had a, con um, a congenital condition where my spine is rotated six degrees. Or I don't know, it might have been two. Or anyway, which means that every night... When I relax and go to sleep, my back goes into spasm, and I end up throttling my wife by accident. We've tried moving to a queen-size bed, king-size bed. They don't make California kings in England. And, uh, and anyway, last night, something changed. And my spine, the, the rotation's gone, and I slept through the night. And his wife was there and said, it's amazing. It's changed my life. <laughs> I said, how did you do it? I said, I really had no idea. I was just trying to keep it simple, keep it tight, so I didn't make a faux pas pastorally. So I just said, bless. And it's interesting, isn't it? 
the power, what does it mean to bless? There is something that when we bless in the name of Jesus, something, it's a way of praying that is different than other ways of praying. Because when God blesses us, he's giving us his very best. Sometimes I can get, I don't know if you're like me, I can get into the idea that if I pray God's blessing, I'll be happy. But, you know, happy, my happiness is fickle. Um, and what God's often trying to do is do something much much deeper. And so when God blesses us, he gives us the very best of what he has to offer. He gives us himself. And so when you pray to bless someone, it's inviting the presence of God to fill that person, to saturate either that situation or that person where they are. So that as they encounter him where they are, they might be led closer to him. so that what we're facing is marked by his presence. Uh, I was at a funeral, uh, and the son of the deceased, I was taking the funeral, and the son of the deceased had to eulogize during the service, and he came to me beforehand and said, I haven't been to church in years. I, I can't do this. And, you know, you've got to sometimes take your courage in hand, and I said, you can do this. Not only do you need to do this, but you will do this. And he kind of looked at me, and uh, I said, I know, a bit strong. And so then what I did is I said, let me pray for you. And again, a simple prayer of blessing. Lord, would you bless this man that he, can, that he can do what's asked of him. And it was utterly underwhelming. Nothing happened, um, you know, and, and until it got time to the eulogy. He got up the steps like this, spoke came back down again, everything seemed normal. Then at the end of the funeral, as, you know, he's shaking hands, people, he again, he seized me by both shoulders, says, you won't believe what happened. I said, well, tell me. He said, with every step I took, I felt like electricity coming up from my feet to my head. And when I got up to the pulpit to speak, I felt supercharged and able to do what was asked of me. What was that? I said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Lord meeting you where you were so you could discover something about him. So blessed, that's what it means, you know. Um, to be blessed means having God come right where you are with what you're facing, meeting with you there, and leading you closer to him. So if we take that first verse, that's all we'll get to this morning. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. What does it mean then to be blessed and poor? Well, poverty today has many shapes and comes in different sizes. We are aware of a, a, a material poverty, people who don't have enough. We're aware of a poverty of purpose that existed before COVID and then with the great resignation, people saying, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do this. You know, there's, there's an awareness of maybe there's more to life than this. There's a poverty of relationships. There's a poverty of work. People looking for jobs and not being able to find them. There's a poverty of direction. There's a poverty of spirit. And the poverty of spirit is the most difficult one to notice because poverty of spirit only is recognized when we see and compare our lives with that of Jesus. 
And the poverty of spirit is linked to that sense of well-being or a, sen- a deep sense of being that we can have. I don't know if any of you have seen Cirque du Soleil, one of Canada's gift to the world, you know, um, or you've ever seen a trapeze artist. I have two things I, I am a fearful of that I'm never going to ask the Lord to take away. That is a fear of heights and a fear of small enclosed spaces. So you know that about me now. And, you know, I, I, I've never seen Cirque du Soleil, but I've seen trapeze artists, and I'm, looking the, and I'm looking at them swing through the air, and I think, gosh, what does it take to do that? You know, or I look at a friend going up the climbing wall, and I think, oh, my goodness, he's so high. He's got such faith in the person holding the rope. I wouldn't do that. Um, bless him, you know. Uh, and, um, and then I started thinking, I said, well, what does it take to do that? And I started thinking, well, maybe... Maybe if I had what he has in him and me, maybe I could do that. Or, you know, the, one of the first rock and roll albums came into our house was Brother in Arms by Dire Straits. And listening, you know, I don't play guitar, but, you know, listening to them play guitar, and I'm thinking, oh, man, that is awesome. If, maybe if I had what they had in them, maybe I could play electric guitar like that and just be amazing in every way. You see what I'm go- where I'm going? And when we look at Jesus, and we see how Jesus has a full day, and he's moving through a busy day in an unhurried way, and is able to stop for someone the world sees as completely insignificant, to give them his full attention and minister to them, I think I don't have what it takes. If I had what he had in him, maybe I could. And that's poverty of spirit. And, and the, the antidote to a poverty of spirit is to put trust in Jesus that we might meet him, he would meet us in our poverty and lead us and show us how his presence working in our lives can affect change. That's true for poverty of spirit. It's also true with all the other types of poverty. The great gift that the poor have to give to the church. It's two things. It's their experience of God, and it's their faith. That's true of those who are materially poor, those who have a poverty of purpose, those who have a poverty in their relationships, a poverty in direction, and a poverty of spirit. And that's why, since the beginning of the church, on the day of Pentecost, the church has always served the poor not do things to them, not help them, but to serve them, to bless them, so that in receiving that blessing, God would meet them where they are and lead them to Him in a deeper way. So He meets us in our place of lack. And I don't know where you are today, uh, you know, come moving to Dallas from England you know, it, the, the landscape is very different. In my time downtown at All Saints Dallas, I met many who had plenty of resources but were full of poverty. And it just looked different. And there's, there's no, you know, the, the goal here isn't to become poor, it's to meet with Jesus. It's to meet with Jesus, that he would lead us, meet us where we are and lead us deeper into relationship with him. Um, I'll make a uh, confession here. 
it's good to have your priest confess in front of you so you realize he's not perfect. Not that you thought it was perfect, but you might be led astray. Um, I skipped New Testament Greek to play rugby. I then skipped a number of other courses that were probably uh, crucial, uh, but I'll never know, uh, to do other ministry things. So at one point, I was involved in 12 prayer triplets and because uh, I just had never prayed with someone before, and it was so amazing to pray with people. And, you know, people say, people would start to say, yeah, I'm meeting with, to pray with Dave and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, I got a call one Sunday, one, no, one Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. from the Chelsea Westminster Hospital in London. And it was the, the matron in, in charge of the um, critical urgent care department it said, you have a parishioner here who's about to die uh, she's asked that you come as quickly as you can and give her last rites. And I realized, last rites. I know that's important, but I miss that class, if there was that class. I don't know. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So I just brought everything I could. I brought a prayer book, a Bible, and two different versions. I brought um, a home communion kit. I got salt. I just got everything into a briefcase. I held a black cab, and I, I had my collar on. I said, I have someone who's about to die. I need to get them before they die. Get me to Chelsea Westminster as fast as you can. He says, all right, mate. Buckle up. And I should never have done that. Uh, under normal circumstances, it's a 15-minute drive from the church. We got there in five. And, uh, you know, they say that the black cab has the, the closest turn radius. And we went through parks. We went through, and I was sick to my stomach when I arrived at the hospital. I fell out, and I ran in and um, got the gown on and everything because she had C. difficile, and it was just, it was bad. And uh, so I get to Rosie, and she's there, and she's, she's, she said, oh, you've come. I said, yes. And uh, so I just start doing everything. I take her through. Her. I start at the beginning, so I get her to reaffirm her baptismal vows. Uh, we read a psalm together. I, uh, we read the readings of the day. We kind of do out of the prayer book. I'm just kind of going through the index on the way here. And, and you know, I just do everything. And, she, and the, the, <laughs> the nurse is like, you know, looking at me quizzically. And then finally, I said, you know, Rosie, I'm just going to pray for you. And then, you know, let me, and I said, then let me know. And she's like, thank you. And I just prayed a simple prayer of blessing, which I probably should have just done and skipped all the other stuff. And uh, in doing that, I said goodbye. And I thought I'd never see her again, this side of glory. Um, and then I get a call from the hospital and I'm waiting, and they're going through, you know, just like here, there's all this red tape. You've got to go through and divulging patient information. Um, and she said, she's being discharged. I was like, what? I said, yeah, we can't explain it, but she is suddenly doing much better, and she's fine. And she completely bounced back. And what she said was, is that something happened after, a long time after, where she just sense this strength beginning to fill her body again. And, you know, she is still alive today. We can get into, I get into this problem when I talk to people who need prayer. And I'm like, oh, I can't figure that out. I get discouragement by diagnosis, right? They, they start telling me all the tests they've been through, everything that's wrong and why it's such a horrible condition. And I'm like, yeah, it is horrible. Nothing can help you. That's what I'm thinking in my head. 
And so to, the ability then to just pray a blessing is my, the way that I have learned to deal with the fact that only God, what you need is to meet with Jesus so that he will lead you closer to him. And he will meet you because that's what he says he will do. So he meets us where we are and leads us closer to himself. And then he moves through us to lead others to him. And so one of the great honors of being a follower of, of Jesus is that you get to give away of what you've received. In fact, Paul makes it quite clear that in order to hold on to things in the kingdom, you have to give them away. So how do you defend the faith? You share the faith. How do you have, how do you become, you know, how do you get promoted in the kingdom? You go low and you serve. You know, it's totally um, different from the world and the culture we live in. And that's, that's really the plan for God's plan for East Dallas. If we're to be a church that connects the people of East Dallas to God and his people, that we might behold him and become more like him, then we just need to be a blessing. And wherever we go, you know, you don't need a theology degree to pray God's blessing on people. You know, you don't need to have credentials. All you need to know is that I have no idea what you're going through, but he does. And these whole six weeks from the various things we've looked at has all been about God showing the world that he has not come just for a select few, but he's come for everyone to meet them where they are and to lead them closer to him. So I don't know with what you've come with today. I don't know where you are. You may be fine and having a great old, you know, you're just ready for the Super Bowl. You've already got the card for Valentine's Day. You've just crushed it in preparation, right? Snacks are lined up, chocolates, and, you know, it's all, the sequence is done. I've done none of it. But, you know, uh, or you may be here and you're, you're experiencing that poverty of purpose. Maybe you're experiencing that poverty of spirit or that poverty of, of um, direction or you name it. Well, the Lord is here to meet with you this morning so that at the right time and the right way, as you've received from him, you might be able to bless others. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Kevin to come up and just play. And Chris and I will be up here. And we'll do this for just one person, if that's all it is. But if you would like just a simple prayer of blessing, which will sound completely underwhelming, because it's not about us. It's not about Chris and I. It's about you meeting with Jesus that as you meet with him, he would lead you closer to him. If you would like to receive a simple prayer of blessing, Chris and I will be up here on either side. We'll have some oil. And as you come up, we're not going to ask you necessarily for what's going on, but we're just going to say a prayer of blessing and anoint you with oil. It may be health-related, maybe work-related, it might be related to anything. But if you would like to put yourself in a posture where you've offered whatever it is you're carrying, that you might be blessed and meet Jesus in that place, that he would lead you in that. Then I'm going to invite you to come forward. So Chris, why don't you join me? And we'll just finish our time 
this prayer time by singing the chorus of the blessing together. You'll find it on page three of your order of service. So especially for those watching online, let me pray a final prayer of blessing, and then we'll carry on with the service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.